lesson for me that I've learned from nursing is it allows you to think about political structures. It allows you to think about healthcare inequalities, for example, discrimination. It allows you to think very deeply about human rights and individual circumstances and really being non-judgmental, but trying to walk in someone else's shoes and understanding that any one of us with a particular hand of cards might have turned out or had a completely different life to the one that we have now. Hello and welcome to the Vintage Books podcast. I'm Marverine Cole and I'm delighted to be here chatting to Christy Watson about her new book, The Courage to Care. Nurses have never been more important than now and we're delighted to have Christy on the podcast to learn more about her unique perspective as a writer who's been a nurse for over 20 years. In The Courage to Care, Christy reveals the remarkable extent of nurses' work. We benefit from their expertise in our hospitals and beyond, in schools, on our streets, in prisons, hospices and care homes. And when we feel most alone, nurses remind us that we're not alone at all. Christy makes a further discovery that time and again, it's patients and their families, including her own, who show exceptional strength in the most challenging times. We're all deserving of compassion, and as we share in each other's suffering, Christy shows us how we can find courage too, the courage to care. We have a special episode for you today. We talk to Christy about her work and her writing. So settle down with a hot drink. You're in for a treat. Thanks so much for joining us on the Vintage Books podcast. Now, I offered you a little bit of an introduction to your book, Christy. Um, but for me, you know, what makes your book so incredible are the insights into your job. You know, you you transport us away to the bedsides of patients you've treated and their families, as well as the nurses you've learned beside and laughed and cried beside. Where I really wanted to start with you, Christy, is if you could open the doors on your book for our listeners and explain what inspired you to write it. So I started off writing novels. I wrote two novels and then I went and moved on to nonfiction while I was nursing and wrote a memoir called The Language of Kindness, which was the book before this. And I wrote very much about being a nurse in uniform in hospital, which was my experience of nursing. But it was during the writing of that that I started to understand that nursing is a language with many, many different accents. There are so many kind of different nurses out there and uh, uh, many nurses outside hospital settings, outside uniform. And so I, I had the idea to write The Courage for Care, to Care um, to really highlight those nurses that I didn't know much about. So I thought, well, if I don't know much about them, then I guess the public are going to know very little. But these are women and men who are cobwebbing our entire country, working in prisons, mental health settings, learning disability settings, with, with the most vulnerable people in our communities. So I spent about 18 months, two years, uh, meeting and spending time with these remarkable humans, um, and they really, really inspired me to write the book, not only because I felt like their voices were very important, but I felt like through the lens of their work, we really can give a voice to people who have very little standing in society and the most vulnerable people that they work with, um, who we don't hear about, who don't have, have much of that voice. So it was sort of spiralled all from there. 
And like all books, I suppose, it became something else as I was writing it. It became very much about family as well and my own family, but also the family of patients that I was caring for. So that's how it started. And it was these inspiring people that that made me carry on through the difficult writing process. And it must have felt like, you know, those stories were so compelling for me what draws me so deeply into the book those compelling stories where you literally feel as if you're by the bedside of people um you must have felt that's it I have to I have to 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 write these down yeah it's my process is kind of strange really I think with non-fiction particularly structure and and architecture of a book is very very important and these are the things that I struggle with the most as a writer um I'm not very plot driven I'm not very good at structure Um, but actually I think through writing non-fiction and weaving in stories of of people that I've worked with but also my own my own life I think it it really helped me to think about structure Um, and like you said just go just just in a way when I had a discussion with my agent before before publishing the book she said do you think you've got enough stories and the problem I've always had is I've got too many stories <laughs> so trying to pick the stories was a really difficult bit and you, you know sometimes there might have been a story that you wanted to put in there but it didn't quite fit the structure or it didn't quite fit the tone of the chapter and so my, my problem was always the amount of stories I have trying to distill them into into one book you did a brilliant job. There were so many stories there. And it was just, I was talking to my husband last night and saying, and there was this, and there was this, and there was this setting, and there was A&E, and there was mental health. And it was incredible. And and so, of course, you know, we all started this year with high hopes, you know, start of a new decade. I remember everyone around me, all my family thinking, yes, you know, 2020, it's going to be fantastic. And you personally, Krista, you were going to be starting to concentrate more on your writing of course, then the pandemic hit us. And because of the global health emergency, you signed the COVID-19 register, didn't you? Responding to the call for nurses to support NHS efforts. So can you tell me what's that experience been like for you? You know, getting really, as, as you know, as it says in the media, on the front line in inverted commas, what was it like? Well, like you said, it was a very... Um, exciting start to 2020 I think we were all thinking about the rip-roaring 20s and how fantastic that would be and as as an extrovert I was really looking forward to lots of parties and Mm -hmm. lots of fun and um, and then and then early on in in the pandemic very early on I think when people didn't quite understand or, or believe how serious it would be uh, friends were sort of joking with me nurse friends were joking and saying oh when when you're coming back and and it was all a bit of a laugh really because nobody really I think anticipated how serious and how devastating things would get and then the the kind of call came for retired nurses like me or people who'd left the clinical register to join this emergency COVID-19 register. And I think there were about 14,000 of us in the end who, who did that. And um, again, it was it almost feels, even now, because I went back for the first peak, that's all. So it, it, it almost feels like a dream, really, already. It was so surreal. It was so quick. It was so traumatising. Um, and such an extreme situation and even having spent 20 years mostly as a critical care nurse something that was way outside anything I'd ever experienced um, it was full of 
pain and sadness and really difficult questions about humanity like the fact that we weren't allowed we weren't allowed to have visitors for people who were sick in hospital and those things that I I suppose philosophically I was really um thinking about how we will judge ourselves and each other in history and what we will look back on and of course we know about the political things going on at the time which were horrendous PPE or lack of it the care home catastrophe the way that an entire generation of our elderly was treated an entire generation of our children have been treated so but I was thinking very much philosophically about what, what all of us collectively have got right and what we've got wrong. And I, and I feel very strongly that the thing I learned this year, because it was a big learning for me, was that we, no matter what, no matter how difficult it is, we must facilitate family members to be able to visit their loved ones when they are sick and dying. I think that we got that very wrong and, and we still sadly are getting that wrong and I think that's how history is going to judge us and that was inhumane. So that was the biggest thing that I struggled with. It wasn't really the sort of relearning of clinical skills because I was very rusty. Um, it wasn't the kind of brand new role that I was in which is a managerial role but it was very much thinking about the philosophy and the humanity of this time. That, that was the really difficult part of this year for me and for many others I'm sure. And all of that coupled with, like you said, the, the new role and being thrust back in, was there, um, were there feelings of, of, of fear and anxiety around that situation in that it's a, a, a global health emergency and here you are back in the fray? Yeah, I was absolutely petrified, terrified for myself, terrified for my family, terrified that I'd made the wrong decision, terrified that I might bring something home. Um fearful about my mental health as well as my physical health afraid for my colleagues afraid for my my extended family and my friends and my community but I don't think I was any more or less terrified than anyone else you know we the thing that got all of us through the first peak and I'm sure are getting people through the second peak already is is the teamwork and the fact that you work so closely together as a team that you become like family, you become such an incredible support for each other. And I think the other thing to stress is that I went back for the first peak and that was it. And at the moment I'm working on all my other jobs, which involve working from home and writing and I'm doing bits for television and all sorts of things. I'm also a, a professor at UEA. Um, so I'm doing all these other things, but I'm not actually on the front line at the moment. And I think they're there was a lot of focus on the people like me who returned for a very short, sharp space of time. My feeling is that the people who are who deserve the most recognition are the ones who are there right now and continued to work through it and will be working this Christmas and will be working through this, I'm sure, devastating winter. Um, and I think a lot of attention was placed on people returning, but actually it's the people on the ground who do the job day in, day in, day out who I think deserve our, our utmost respect moving forwards. And not, you know, I feel a bit fraudulent to, to put myself in that category because I went in to help and that was all I did, really. The outcome of your book is that you are highlighting that through your own experiences and that your book in itself and, and you talking about it um, will point people to the places where they need to go and to hear more of 
like you said, those nurses who are there, you know, almost 24 7 365 and being so exhausted after the end of every shift and you know you write so evocatively about you know you haven't had breakfast this morning you barely eat on a shift there's barely enough time to even you know sustain yourself through intensely physical and mentally challenging shifts um but your work is is pointing people to to offer more support in whatever way they can to nurses um Yeah, and I, I, I appreciate that. And I think as well, we, you know, it's a time when we've all been reflecting on, on our own lives and we're almost at the top of a mountain. We've got another mountain to climb, at least one more. But we're at the top of a mountain, we're exhausted, we're looking around from this vantage point and we're thinking, right, what do I do with the rest of my life? Life is so precious, it can turn on a dime. We thought our lives, we thought somehow that we had a concrete understanding of what life had in store for us and of course we never had a concrete understanding we just thought we did but everything is fluid now and we I suppose nurses have this unique gift it's a unique and terrible gift at once in that they they understand that everything can change in a heartbeat and the most devastating things can happen totally out of the blue and it's it's a gift because it allows you to live your life with your eyes wide open and appreciate every single day but it's also terrible because obviously it gives you that knowledge that this is not forever nothing's really concrete but I think all of us now collectively around the world now have that nurse's insight into the fact that nothing's really as safe as we thought it was and everything's very precious but also very fragile. Absolutely. We've all very much realised because of COVID-19 that what we, you know, we all take for granted, you know, hugs with family and just, you know, hanging out with family at home or going out for meals with our friends, all the rest of it, you know, being in work or being able to find another job. Um, you know, everything's changed so much. And so it goes without saying, you know, that some of us will be finding it very hard um, to handle the the situation and maintain good mental health and well-being. What would you say, Christy, is, you know, are some of the best ways that we can support and care for each other right now, given the, the situation and, and mental health? Well, I mean, my mental health is not great, I have to say. Um, I'm struggling very much with the enormity of the threats to us this year, not just COVID, but existential threats, democratic the threats to democracy thinking about climate change thinking about what life is going to be like for my children as adults so I think that um, I can give advice from somebody who's who's struggling as much as everyone else I I should think Um, what helps me is that is that I have um, I'm very very lucky enough to have great friends who I can call day or night um, who are often nurses actually many of my of my best best friends are nurses and have that sort of gallows humour where they can just make me laugh even in the most dire of circumstances um, but also all the things that we 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 know helps mental health so for example um, going out in nature trying to exercise trying to eat healthily avoiding alcohol you know all the things that we know and yet you know there are days when I will put my gym kit on in the morning and sit on the sofa and eat an entire packet of biscuits and yep. I think that's yep. okay. know that one. <laughs> <laughs> I have plenty of days like that. Yeah. So I think um, I think giving ourselves a break at this time and understanding that, of course, we're feeling rubbish. 
we're in a global pandemic. We are going to be feeling really rubbish and we're going to have good days and we're going to have really awful days. And just trying to seek, seek help when we can from those people that we trust, I think is really, really important. And understanding that, you know, the, we, we are, I suppose, all dealing with it differently. We've all got different, we've all got struggles for sure, but we've all got slightly different struggles going on. So being kind to each other in our communities and our neighbours is really, really important as well, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. I think, you know, we are all, um, you know, guilty of being very hard on ourselves. And like you said, if it, if one day you don't feel you can exercise or one day, you know, you're you're not eating as healthily as you would like, don't see that as a failing. It's not the end of the world take that one day and you know resolve maybe I can get back on that wagon and and do what I need to do tomorrow that's how I face it you know I always see it as a bit of a triumph when I get out of bed and go yeah I'm gonna do I can do 10 minutes today I could do 10 minutes of that walking at home exercise today and I'm gonna feel good about myself back my mind I'm going yeah okay yeah I'm gonna try and do maybe the 30 minutes tomorrow or something yeah but um I'm a huge advocate of mental health and well-being and doing everything that we can to keep ourselves um, on an even keel as possible. Now, of course, paramount. Yeah, absolutely. For all of us. And what do you think then um, are some of the key lessons that everyone can learn from from nurses, would you say? I mean, you know, you've alluded to, alluded to the fact that, you know, we all now are much more attuned to the fact that circumstances can change at the drop of a hat. But what else do you think we can learn from nurses? Well, I think that COVID has, has, has shown the world uh, we have a world that is full of division, isolationism and inequality. Now, that existed before COVID, but COVID has highlighted that to everybody. And so when I think about um, pre-COVID and, get, and think, oh, gosh, I miss this, I miss this, I miss this, I think... I'm really hoping that after this period of time, we don't go back to where we were before because where we were before was pretty pants for lots and lots of people and it was a world full of inequality. And so I think nursing, a lesson for me that I've learned from nursing is it allows you to think about political structures. It allows you to think about healthcare inequalities, for example, discrimination. It allows you to think very deeply about human rights and individual circumstances and really being non-judgmental but trying to walk in someone else's shoes and understanding that any one of us with a particular hand of cards might have turned out or had a completely different life to the one that we have now and I think that's a very um, important thing for all of us to to take moving forwards and hopefully build a more compassionate world. I think the other thing that nursing teaches is that um, there is nothing more important in the world than friends and family. That's it. You know, there's no magic, anything. Stuff doesn't matter. Looks don't matter. What you own doesn't matter a jot. Consumerism, globalisation, you know, gold-plated toilets, (laughs) whatever we see around the world and people (laughs) aspire to. This whole idea about about the, the values that we had or, or still have to a certain degree slightly I think we've got slightly better values this year but 
the values that stuff is important and 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 how you look it represents who you are i think that nurses understand that the things that are important are community family kindness compassion friends and the only thing that matters to all of us in the end is love that's it so i think that's yeah so so right and you you know as well as you talking about your experiences as a nurse over the years uh, and meeting others in in different areas of nursing you offer us an insight into your experience of motherhood and adoption um did you hesitate at all in in giving that part of yourself to this book yeah definitely it was i think that was uh um that was kind of the biggest decision i suppose for me in terms of this book was how whenever you're writing a memoir you always share a certain part of yourself but never all of yourself and whenever you're writing a memoir although you're writing about yourself obviously unless you live on a on an island on your own you're also writing about other people so navigating that line is always a challenge for for any writer and i i was wanting to write about family and motherhood but also very conscious that I'm sharing my children's story because their story is mine and mine is theirs. And so I went through with them all the bits that involved them and read them out to them repeatedly as I went through the editorial process and asked what they thought about it. Did they want it in there or not want it in there? Um, and obviously, you know, it, 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 there are no names or anything like that, but still it's about their lives as much as mine. And... My daughter's reaction was, no one ever, no one of my friends is ever going to read what you write, which I thought was quite accurate, probably. So she, she didn't care at all. But my, my, my son was brilliant. He said, um, he said, that's the best story I've ever heard, ever. He said, what's the ending? <laughs> I said, well, I don't know yet because you're not grown. <laughs> but I thought it was so joyous. And we had long discussions about it. And both of them came to me and said, we really want you to put this in, Mum. And we really want you to, to write it. Um, that's not to say that in 10 years they won't hate me for it, you know. And I do have to live with that uh, idea at the back of my mind. But I think I did all I could to make sure that they were okay with it. And not just them, but also I wrote about my mum, my brother, my dad, my granddad, my nan. And so it's a case of checking, is this okay with you? You're not named, people can't identify you, but is it okay to share that part of your story? I think that that's, that's all we can do as writers really, is just check. And if it's not okay, then don't put it in, I think. Yeah, so much uh, for me that 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 in itself and that process of making those decisions and and discussing them with your your children takes a lot of courage, you know, the courage to care. You know, the title of your book for me, it take, you know, I feel that it, it took a, a lot of courage for you to do that. And you, the the book is filled with a real mixture of poignant moments, but also great happiness and laughter. You know, the way that you have. Um, created those images in our mind of your family members and the people that you've worked with and the patients that you've uh, been beside. What do you, Christy, has been your favourite response to the book so far? It's interesting, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, I'm lucky enough to get a lot of praise and sometimes from heroes 
Olivia Coleman loved my book, for example. Oh, wow. Amazing. That's a dream come true. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, we like, we but, love her. <laughs> we love her. Um, but also, um, I think, I think for me, when I get letters from, from nurses and I get a lot of letters either or, or Instagram posts or Twitter posts or whatever, um, it's when I get, it's when I hear from student nurses that I think it means the most to me. And, you know, I get a lot of, um, a lot of messages about people struggling with mental health, lots, and saying that the book somehow helped them and it made them feel less alone. And they're really glad they've chosen this career. And, you know, so those kind of messages, I think, are my absolute favourite and make my work meaningful to me. But uh, I do get some funny messages as well. So I had an email last week after appearing on a um, Sky Arts book show and the email was, uh, where did you get your dress? <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Nothing about the book or the book. It's a but lovely dress, by the way. <laughs> I thought that was so wonderful because, you know, it's fun. And, and yeah, absolutely. It was a great dress. Why not? I think that's really nice too. So I just love hearing from readers. <laughs> oh, superb. Yeah, it was a cool dress. <laughs> <laughs> you snapped yourself. You did a selfie on um, Twitter, didn't I'm you? I'm always doing selfies. My <laughs> children are so embarrassed. <laughs> it's shameful, apparently. The what? <laughs> <laughs> and... You know, I, I'm I'm really keen to know. Uh, it sounds like you, 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 from those responses, you validated some of the student nurses' decisions in in taking up their career. Um, when you set out to write the courage to care, did you have anything in mind in particular that you wanted people to take away from it? So first and foremost, um, I, I I want the writing to be good. Everything for me is about the story and about the writing and almost the subject matter as important as it is, but that's much more secondary to me as a writer. I'm interested in the language, I'm interested in the words and whether my words have affected someone in some way, whether it's made them cry, happy, sad, reflective, whatever. I feel like that from that as an artist is, is what is my ultimate aim is to produce something that gives a reaction in someone else. And so I, I guess with The Courage to Care, but with all my books, um, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to have a dialogue with someone that I don't know in, in a place that doesn't really exist. <laughs> it sounds like it's a very bizarre concept, but that's the goal. <laughs> you have achieved it in spades, I tell you now. <laughs> and um, one final question. Are there any books that you've actually turned to this year that you would recommend for us? That's a great question. I found reading really difficult during during the first half of this year. I'm not sure about you, but I couldn't concentrate. And that was really hard. It's the first time in my life where I felt unable to read. Um, and I turned to audiobooks. And that was brilliant, actually. And uh, it really got me feeling back into being able to concentrate enough to read um and i recently i i i kept going back to tony morrison because she's my favorite writer of all time um and i and i read beloved again this year and thoroughly thought it was a masterpiece again but i suppose the things that i've enjoyed the most this year have been um I enjoyed uh, Maggie O'Farrell's Hamnet. I don't know if you've read Hamnet yet. It's just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I've been reading lots of poetry, reading lots of non-fiction. 
Um, I reviewed a book in America called A Good Time to Be Born, and I'm sure the title was probably pre-pandemic, but it's by a brilliant paediatrician and writer called Perry Class, and very much in the field of uh, medical humanities. She writes about the fact that for the first time in history, we can expect our grandchildren um, to grow up and outlive us and our children to grow up and outlive us you know and it was like children's diseases and children's mortality is so much better than it ever has been before and we forget about measles and tb and rubella and the civil war in america and we must learn and remember from history and and so that for me felt very poignant and very timely when we feel like we're on the knife edge of many cultural changes so lots of different reading, but I guess my, my all-time favourite is, is and remains Toni Morrison. Oh, well, Christy, thank you so, so much. It's been brilliant spending time with you. Your book is, as I said, you know, it's, it's, it's poignant and hopeful and joyous in equal measure. So thank you so much for that. It's been brilliant. We hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation with Christy Watson. If you're interested, you can find out more about The Courage to Care in the link in the episode description. What book has brought you The Courage to Care this year? You can let us know by tagging us at Vintage Books on Twitter or Instagram. Keep reading boldly and thinking differently. Until next time. Music.